Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Welcome back to another edition of the LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if any of the stories we're about to discuss are of interest to you, you can find links to them all at blog.lgbthealthlink.org. Let's jump in with our first story of the week, Queer Women Facing Food Insecurity. Researchers led by Joanne Patterson found that between 20 and 27% of lesbian and bisexual women as well as straight-identified women with histories of same-sex relationships, had experienced food insecurity in the past year, compared to 13.1% of exclusively heterosexual women. Despite having more food insecurity, sexual minority women were troublingly no more likely than their peers to access food assistance benefits. That means that, you know, part of this problem um, that sexual minority women are having in accessing enough food may be because, you know, they don't feel comfortable accessing the resources that they need or they're ineligible for some reason or they're not aware of the benefits. We don't know all of that based on the study, but it is really concerning, first of all, that there's a disparity in how much food insecurity they're facing, and second, that they don't seem to be proportionately accessing benefits. Next up, working to train Texas dentists and beyond. Texas A&M reported on efforts there to have the School of Dentistry, working in conjunction with other health schools, implement LGBT health education. They say that LGBT individuals face barriers in accessing dental and other health care, and that students are not always comfortable treating LGBT patients. The school's proposed interdisciplinary LGBT health curriculum would be the first of its kind in the state of Texas. If you're wondering why dentists need to know about LGBT competency, of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not wondering that, but I think a lot of people probably say, what does dentistry have to do with that? But of course, there there are lots of issues from what they identified um, here in the article, which is, you know, doctors just not being comfortable around LGBT patients because they don't know that they've even had LGBT patients. But also, you know, there are certain increased risks for LGBT folks. Obviously, our community is at higher risk for HIV, and there are implications there too. And then there's just all sorts of ways that biases and microaggressions can come across in care. I once had a dental hygienist, you know, when I said that I work in LGBT health, say like, oh, is that still an issue? Or, you know, said something about, oh, well, there's no more discrimination now. And just kind of little things that like, you know, stand out to you as a patient that really shouldn't be happening. So this is really cool to see, you know, that that the School of, of Dentistry is taking kind of a leading role in this, even though it's often kind of forgotten in terms of LGBT health education. And our next story, drinking among trans folks. A new study led by Lewis Lindley found that transgender and non-binary individuals with higher levels of proximal stress, such as dealing with discrimination and stigma, were more likely to drink as a coping mechanism. People who drank for this purpose, in turn, were more likely to experience negative behavioral outcomes. The results show the importance of supporting trans folks with healthy coping mechanisms, um, you know, anything pr- pretty much beyond um, drinking and, and drug use and, and other things that are not going to ultimately lead someone to, you know, a healthier um, outlook in life. But to me, you know, it's also important here to not just put the, the burden on kind of health providers to provide these coping mechanisms or to trans folks to adopt coping mechanisms. It also shows the importance of ending discrimination, right? That's kind of the root cause here isn't, 
isn't something wrong that trans and non-binary folks are doing. It's this discrimination and stigma that people are feeling that is leading to this negative coping mechanism. Our next story looks at health of LGBT veterinarians. Researchers led by Tracy Witt examined the mental health of LGBT veterinary students and professionals and found that they had higher rates of suicidal ideation and suicide attempt than their non-LGBT peers. Interestingly, while veterinary students reported better access to institutional resources and policies compared to professionals, it was professionals who said that they faced more welcoming environments and who had better odds of disclosing their gender identity to those around them. So um, definitely, I thought an interesting study because, you know, the, these are folks who are taking care of the health of our pets and um, our pets are even more, I think, important to us now that we're a lot of us kind of at home more than we normally are. Um, and certainly there's a lot of pet adoptions and everything, but we don't often think about the health of the people who are taking care of, of our precious animals. So I thought that this was a really interesting study and also interesting to see that, you know, students didn't have better outcomes in terms of all aspects of, of LGBT inclusiveness. You know, I think students are presumably younger. They're, you know, often we think of universities as supportive and, and open environments, but really there there were several markers in which professionals kind of had a better um, climate in which they were working, a more supportive place to disclose their identities than their, their younger um, peers who were fresh to the field. Next up, Mammogram Rates Among Queer Women A study led by Medina Agner found the complex situation when it comes to mammography rates among sexual minority women. Among white women, bisexual women had lower rates than mammography compared to straight women, whereas among black women, the opposite was true, and bisexual women actually had higher rates of having had a mammogram. Many other differences were not statistically significant, which points to the need for more research and just bigger numbers, which, you know, means inclusion in, in big studies and, and um, health surveillance systems. And finally for this week, Advancing Equity in the South. Movement Advancement Project published a series of blog posts highlighting organizations advancing LGBT equity in the South. For example, the Nations Foundation in Central Virginia was founded by Black trans women to improve sexual and general health among LGBT people in that region. Meanwhile, the STAY Project for Appalachian Youth and Genderbenders, a grassroots org um, with a very famous camp, um, were other projects that were highlighted in the article. All right, well, that does it for another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Thank you for listening to this week's edition. As always, if you want to follow up on anything that we've discussed, you can find all of the stories that we have talked about at blog.lgbthealthlink.org. Please subscribe to the podcast and tune in next week for another edition.